This is Transistor.fm. This episode is brought to you by ProfitWell.com. Now, if you're like me, you have questions about your business. Questions that you can't answer by looking at Google Analytics. And here's two questions I just had. First, how many new trials do we get every month? And second, what's our conversion rate like for those trials? Like, how are we doing? And so I logged into ProfitWell. I clicked on Revenue Trends, and then they have this Trials section. And right away, I got answers to both those questions. We have 143 active trials right now. And last month, our conversion rate on those trials was 55%. If you want these answers for your business, sign up at ProfitWell.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Excuse me if I, I'm distracted. There is a, a, a dancing, uh, not a seagull. What's the other bird? The, the other city uh, bird. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say pelican, but that's, that's a water bird. Uh, I know what it is. It's on the tip of my tongue. How come? A pigeon. A pigeon. <laughs> yes. A dancing pigeon right outside my right outside my window. Is it wearing a top hat? Yeah, he's he's I mean, he's wearing a big a big sun hat because it's hot here in the Okanagan. <laughs> Lucky you. It's uh I don't think summer's going to come to Chicago this year. Oh no. It's uh it's a kind of a bummer. It's yeah, 60 yesterday and gray and 60 today and Great. Oh man, we we got to get you out of there. I think I think it has a lot to do with the lake. The lake is just so cold this year still that it really affects the whole area. Wow, like Mich- like Michigan. Uh, eighty eight today. Wow. Yeah, it it's been. Yeah, I'm wearing like a thick long sleeve shirt. You're in this <laughs> like short sleeve beach shirt. Almost. I don't know. What yeah, you're... we're in. We are in full on beach mode here, man. We were. You got a you got a good spot there. It's like. I feel like you were snowboarding three weeks ago. Now it's like you're at the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. It, I mean, it heated up fast for sure. And this is kind of like prime time because the forest fires haven't started. Ah. So it's kind of like May, June, and then first part of July are really, really nice. And then now the 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 climate change uh, kind of situation as we get fires in August, but. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, folks. I guess we just don't get summer. It's a bummer for Chicago because everyone looks so forward to the summer because the winter is just freezing. And then to do that, to get this weather is kind of like a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. We don't have very much of a shoulder season. It's like the winter stops and then someone switches on the lights and huh. all of a sudden we're in beach mode. It's a it's a weird place here. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I think I've got something I've been thinking about. Uh-huh. Partly because we're about 15 months in. Uh, it's almost July right now. And last episode, I talked. we talked about, wouldn't it be fun to go back to some of our old episodes? Yeah. <laughs> Did you end up listening to anything or no? I didn't, no. No, I didn't. Well, I just went back to see, like, okay, like around this time, what were we thinking about? And I have this solo episode 
July of 2018. I think it's called The Money is Bored. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, The Opposite of Bored Money. And it it's kind of an interesting time capsule because it's me honestly speaking into the microphone and kind of revealing what was really going on at the time. And, you know, at the time, I was pretty stressed out about money, I think. We'd been working on this. I mean, we launched this podcast in March. So it would have been March, April, May, June. Right. So the honeymoon was kind of wearing off. And I was starting to think, like, when is this going to make any money? We had just opened up beta invites. Right. I don't know if you remember that time. <laughs> like I do. It, it does seem like a long time ago. Yeah. But it's not. It's, it's not that <laughs> long ago, no. Um, and so we had just opened up beta invites, um, and we had about 51 early access customers and about $781 in monthly recurring revenue. I just remember at the time thinking, man, we've been working on this. I mean, you had already been working on this before we, mm-hmm. we teamed up. And then it's like, okay, March, we are fully into this. March, April, May. And, you know, we're still going, but around May, I'm starting to feel like, okay, well, you know, we, it's got to be coming soon. And then June, okay, we're getting closer to launch. July, we're right before our official launch, but I'm like looking at the numbers and five months of work and thinking it's $781 a month in revenue. <laughs> Can't live on that. <laughs> and I mean, part of me at the time was encouraged because I remember we sent out those invites and just being so thankful that anybody responded and became customers. Right. It is kind of crazy to look back on it now. Because you're you don't know what to expect. And maybe No, not at all. And maybe a little bit of this was the pre-launch jitters because I knew that August 1st we were going to I was going to fly to Chicago and we were there's kind of we're leading up to all this expectation but we don't know what's going to happen. And we were like throwing around numbers. I think because we didn't we don't want to get our feelings hurt in some ways, right? Right. And going, okay, well, let's say we launch on August 1st and we double MRR to 1500 I just remember feeling like, okay, that's probably realistic. But then I was like punching in the numbers into like forecast calculators and things because I, and maybe it was like even, you know, talking to my wife and she, her, her going, so how's Transistor going, you know, and going, well, you know, we've, we've got a few hundred dollars in MRR and we got some customers and she's like, well, how long do you think, you know, she's just asking the practical questions. Maybe the same questions your parents would have asked you around Thanksgiving, you know? Like, so John, where's this headed? Yeah. How's, how's the little fun side thing coming? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, I don't know. And I, I punched the numbers into a calculator <laughs> and it was kind of like, oh man, like if we double MRR on launch to 1500 to get to 21000 in monthly recurring revenue, which I kind of had it in my mind as like, that's a good baseline for John and I to somewhat replace our full-time salaries. Assuming 10% exponential growth and 5% churn, it would take five years. And then I multiplied five times 12, and that was 60. And 
I thought 60 months, that's a long time to wait for a paycheck because it's not like you're just, in, in a sense, I was like, I had already switched from my other business activities. This is where the pressure came from, I think. Right, yeah. You were you were fully in this mode, I don't think. I wasn't quite there yet, obviously. I'm still, yeah. But Yeah, your tension always came from the time and energy perspective, and mine was right. always financial. Yeah. And so in that thrashing, you and I started talking about money and taking whether we should take investment. And do you remember what your current, your first kind of, how you felt about that was like, what was your first reaction to the idea of, should we take investment? I think it was no. Yeah. <laughs> or was it, I, or was it yes? I I mean, I think it was no because yeah, I'm pretty sure I was, I was in the no camp. Yeah. I think your, your immediate reaction was no. And then you were like, well, let's consider it. And we, we looked into some of these new bootstrapped funds you were also actually, you had gotten, um, initially, the we were getting these venture capitalist emails, right. and you were also like, hmm, maybe we should talk to some of these folks. I can't remember if you replied to one, and you heard back from some of them, and uh, so we were exploring it anyway. Like, what would that look like? Yeah, I think we were sort of excited by the idea that people were contacting us, and were excited about what we were doing, and I don't maybe neither of us had really experienced that. We're like, oh my God, like, oh, people are, people are into us. Yeah. Like they're noticing us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like being on the sidelines of the junior high dance and no one has ever asked you to dance. And then all of a sudden you get a new hat and everyone's asking you to dance. <laughs> I don't know. Why did I think? Of- Is that all it would have taken? <laughs> it was a hat? The, the, the magical middle school hat. Yeah. Man. Well, if I, we had only known. <laughs> I already have a great show title for this, but Magical Middle School Hat is another <laughs> contender. So, yeah, I think we were like, okay, this is pretty good. So it's interesting because it's 15 months later, and we've actually taken investment, but not in the way that you would think. You've pro- you might not even looked at these numbers yet, but I just looked at our total gross revenue to date. Starting in March of 2018, we've done $109,600 in gross revenue. Wow. I have not looked at that. The weird thing about taking investment is you're taking money now and investors have the expectation of a return in the future. And you're taking money now because you need the money, right? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to think, and I realize that we've been incredibly fortunate. But 15 months, you know, fast forward 15 months. So we have stressed out Justin. Uh, Actually, we're really fast forwarding 12 months. Stressed out Justin in July Mm -hmm. and thinking, how am I ever going to get out of this? We're, we're, We're screwed. It's This is hopeless. Fast forward 12 months and it's like, well, you've actually had customers invest over a hundred thousand dollars in your business. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it's I, it's a good way to think about it. The customer as the investor. I mean, yeah, they're customers. They're uh, yeah, they're investing, and hopefully, they're getting their money's. They're getting the return on investment. Yeah, which is, and I think they are. I mean, we've had a lot of customers come back to us and say, you know, I got, I immediately got two customers from my show that I launched, and mm-hmm. yeah, 
uh, sign new contracts and things like that. So yes, there's uh, and so far churn is quite low. I guess you can't think of it as an investment since we didn't, we weren't relying on, I guess, all the revenue immediately to pay ourselves. Yeah, and I mean the other thing is that we've just started taking salaries. It goes up every month, but we're paying ourselves like right now. It would be about fifty thousand dollars each per year. Mm-hmm. It's just weird to think about it this way, because <laughs> like with Kickstarter, you take upfront orders from your customers, and that becomes the investment that seeds the business. Mm-hmm. And with with us, um, we. It, it was slower. It's more on the back end. But really, like, that $100,000 that customers have invested in our business, that would have been a really good angel round. Yeah. That would have been four dollars checks. It would, yeah. And I guess the question is, if we had done that, would we, would we be in the same spot? Or would we be... Would we have rushed things? Would we be worse off? Would we have yeah. taken an early investment and said, all right, you know, we're both going to quit our jobs and do this full time? Yeah. That- and then would we, like, it's impossible to say where we'd be, but I think obviously the constraints we had worked for us. Yeah. I mean, it's you can't split test reality. It feels like now, and again, this feel, it's so, time is so weird because... I remember being so stressed out and feeling like I was just being squeezed at that moment in time. And again, like the cards just kind of, I want to say the cards fell our way. Uh, hmm. You know, the, yeah. the, it, it just, you know, we got some really good hands. It's always hard to figure out how much of this was luck and how much of this was, you know, our combined, whatever, 15 years building audiences and building <laughs> podcasting technology and you right. know all the skills we've acquired and all the connections we've acquired and you know clearly the groundwork of our lives led us to where we are now i i'm more like just kind of trying to compare the situations and the the feeling i had then and the feeling i have now i certainly still get anxious about some things but you know there's enough money i'm getting paid enough every month by transistor that I can cover my family's costs and I still have other business revenue coming in. So I'm fine. And now I'm so glad we stuck to our guns. Yeah, me too. I I think we would have even been more stressed out. I know, I know you were stressed out obviously about money and that's not like, I'm not brushing that off, but I think we might've been more stressed out had we taken money on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of the pressure there to actually like deliver. Like you now, you're on you, now. What you're building is like someone else. Someone else's money is involved, and and you know that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay that back. Like Wistia, I just read that blog post. I I sent it to you too, um, and they, they have a great episode on. Uh, I think it's called the Reboot Podcast. I'll put it in the show notes. They took I think a relatively low amount for a venture back startup 1.3 million or something but they just had to they decided that they wanted to buy out their investors in order to do that i think they had to raise over 13 million dollars so they took on 13 million dollars in debt to 
pay back their investors. And I think there was other things too. I think they wanted to pay out some of their employees to give early employees a little bit of a... Right. Yeah. Was the, I did read that, but it wasn't clear if the debt they took on, was that, is that just like a loan? They got like loans? Yeah. It, it wasn't other investors. No, it? no. They, they took on what's called debt financing. So okay. um, basically, you know, once you get to that scale, there are lending institutions that'll, you know, that'll give you money. And I think, yeah, it sounded like the business itself was on the line. I mean, basically if they didn't pay it back, they would have lost the company. That's right. So that's, those are the terms. If they don't, if they, if they can't make their payments, the the bank will yeah, repossess the business. Repossess the business, yeah. So there's risks there too, um, but just interesting. Like, wow, that's a big. That's like, let's just say, that's a 10x repayment. When when you need something in the short term, you don't always think of the long term repercussions, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things we were trying to wrestle with at the time. Was okay. You know, it'd be really nice to have the money. In some senses, it wouldn't have really solved any of our problems. Like all of a sudden, let's say we were paying me out of money we had took as investment. That would have felt wrong to me in some ways. And I, right. I just couldn't think of anything else we would use the money for. Like it would have it would have just been kind of sustaining me until you know, we got to scale and you were able to go full time. It just seemed kind of silly. Right. And I, th- I, th- I still kind of feel that way. Like I still feel like if we took money on now, we wouldn't know exactly what to use it for. Like we'd pay ourselves more and maybe advertise or hire. A, maybe we'd hire a person. I don't know. If we, I don't think we're ready for that yet either. But yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we kind of stuck to stuck to the path we were on. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I think that was the other question you were asking was, there, there's this thought of like, if we take the investment, then it'll at least take our money stresses away, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, then we'll have money in the bank and then we don't have to worry about having money in the bank because we'll have money in the bank and then we can just focus on other things. But I'm not sure if that would have been true. I think... Yeah, you, yeah, we still would have worried about money in the bank or money in, in a different place. Yeah. <laughs> And so it introduces this weird tension because I remember going through all that and kind of thrashing and, you know, like, uh, that's when I, I wrote David Hanemeyer Hansen and I was like, you know, what do I do? And, and he's, in some ways his response was like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I remember at the time, this is what's weird about being in one position versus another. At the time I was like, well, easy for you to say, you're freaking rich you know (laughs) and but now that i'm in this position i can understand what he was trying to say which is you you are clearly stressed out about your short-term problems but as someone who can who's you know he's not stressed out stressed out about those things and when he looked at our our kind of trajectory he's like well you don't know anything yet like yeah you, you haven't launched you don't have even two or three months worth of data yet yeah you like you why would you risk all of that on taking investment and maybe diluting yourself right so if if we had taken investment and then we launched and then maybe we grew at five percent a month the fact that we were growing at five percent a month 
would would that have been enough knowing that we had $200,000 in the bank? Does that make sense? Like if we took $200,000 in investment and then we launch and then it grows at 5% a month, would we have been okay? You know, like maybe there, there's, a, there's a risk of deluding yourself of being like, well, you know, it's growing some and we've got money in the bank. So maybe we should keep working on this project. Right. And we might, we might draw things out a bit and like, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you remove that constraint. So yeah, I think you're probably, we'd be making decisions slower and who knows if they'd be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you really, yeah, you really don't, you really don't know until you know, like you, you have to at some point make a decision one way or the other. I mean, I guess that's life in general, right? You have to choose something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously this is like, I don't think we're saying taking investment is bad, but it's clearly a pretty personal decision, number one. And number two, I think just as, again, it feels like such a, it feels like an asshole move for us to even be talking about this because like I said, I feel like we've been really fortunate so far. Right, we have, yeah. And again, everything and, could yeah. fall apart. <laughs> it could. We could go back 13 months from now and be like, our MRR is back to $700. Yes. Uh, the podcasting industry is over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's the funny thing about time, isn't it? Wish we would have taken that money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're like emailing all those venture capitalists back, like, please give us your money. And they're like... No yeah. way, bro. We we don't touch podcasting with a ten foot pole. We're done. Yeah, we we're out. We listen to your show. <laughs> You're dead to us. <laughs> um, but right now, uh, it feels I it feels kind of amazing. Like I would not I would not have guessed this six months six months ago. I wouldn't I wouldn't have. Yeah. Really predicted we'd be here. And I I think that's the funny thing about time. And so. For anyone who's at the beginning, I first of all, I just want to say I am so sorry you have to go through that pain. I think it's it's necessary. I know exactly how you feel for folks that are starting out and they have all the stress. There's so many layers of stress. Is this going to succeed? How's the launch going to go? Am I going to is this company going to grow more than it is right now? Will this ever make enough money to support me and my family? is the thing that I'm giving up right now, which is that opportunity cost that a lot of people don't consider. In some ways, we delude ourselves into thinking like, oh, well, when this is making, you know, in our case, 21000 a month will be great. But that's not great because we need some sort of repayment for all of those <laughs> months where we weren't getting paid. Right. The opportunity cost there. Plus, it's not just enough to get paid back for the months you weren't getting paid. You also should be compensated for the risk you took. Right? Like there should be and obviously you want to minimize that, but the 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 stress and like think about all the evenings and weekends you've worked. Mhm. There should be some sort of compensation for that. Yeah, I mean I can't I can't make that time up. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if money fixes that. I, it's, I mean, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a tangible thing you can give yourself. But uh, yeah, there's really, I mean, there's no getting that back. That's here. true. And that, that, <laughs> but that's the thing. That's like at the very yeah. least, there should be a monetary 
compensation for the investment. And I, as someone who's been a business person for a long time and who's always kind of been like, oh, well, as long as I'm just like, I make it to just making enough, we'll be fine. And now I'm that I'm uh, almost 40, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm looking at my life and going, oh, wait a second. No, that's not how it works. You can't just build something that just allows you to kind of barely get by because you are giving up so much in order to do this. I, I suppose it could work if you're not giving up all of your time and you're making something that you can get by on, but like you're mostly enjoying the day. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what I'm trying to push people to think about is just that there is some, I think, dangerous thinking in there. And I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> I'm speaking from someone as someone who, you know, launched two snowboard shops in my early 20s. And the idea of if you're going to take risks, first of all, you should, you should try to minimize those risks. But second of all, make sure the thing that you're risking on, like if you're putting it all on black, careful, there's a poker metaphor coming. <laughs> if you're putting it all on black, but the pot is only 20 bucks, why are you risking it all on black? That, that, that's not... It, that's not worth risking it for. And so I'm just, I think I'm challenging folks to think, you know, is this thing that you're risking your life for and the opportunity, is there enough there that you can see that makes you feel like this is going to be worth it? And again, I know the answer partly is, well, how can you know? And again, it's it's just not fair for me to 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 in some ways evaluate this because I realize this is just so fortunate that we're here, but there's something about this that I think is important and getting investment won't solve all of those problems. The fundamentals at the end of the day are what's going to prove or disprove your thing. I wonder for bootstrap companies, especially if you're not getting those answers after a couple years, if, you know, it's time to bet on a different pot or, do something else. Let's just hold that thought for a sec and talk about Redash. <laughs> this is a, a quote from a Redash customer. In 20 minutes, I was able to achieve something in Redash that I've been trying to do with Power Buy. I hope I'm saying that right. Power Buy for the last year. But Power Buy just doesn't support the data flow I needed for it. That's what Redash is about. You can take your SQL knowledge, supercharge it with extra powers, and then be immediately productive. There's no complex tools to master, just you and your data. And my friend Marty uses it, and he says he uses it for querying across multiple data sources via Presto. I don't know what that means. And sometimes he'll create fancy dashboards from those queries. I'm assuming you can. There's a feature called Presto in Redash. And you can probably combine multiple data sources together, John. which actually sounds pretty nice. John, that's your homework for this week. And your homework as well, listener, because anyone who mentions that they came through this podcast gets 50% off the first three months. Go to redash.io and say, hey, build your SaaS sent me. I don't know, John, any, any more thoughts on that? Uh, not really. I uh, No, I'm just pleasantly surprised that as to where we're at now and like, mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, appreciative of all the customers that started with us early and stuck with us and sort of supported us and 
Yeah. Gave us pro- problems to solve and gave us, you know, feedback, good feedback, you know, and bad feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, there's, I think, similar to early investors. Like your first investors are always hold a special place in your heart because they believed in you when, you know, it was early. Mm-hmm. In the same way, customers that come on early, I, you know, like I said, like there's a few customers like Joe Workman, like Mike Vardy, Ashley Baxter, and there's, I mean, there was 50 of them, right? Those folks, and they know who they are. I mean, I'm willing to help them anytime because I'm so appreciative of what they did for us. And since then, we've just had all these other people who have come. And the great thing about having customers invest in your company is that hopefully they're the ones getting the immediate returns. Right. They invest $19 and they get $190 worth of value. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I tweeted this the other day. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I used to listen to talk radio all the time. And I would look up, you know, like, how much does it cost to start your own radio station? <laughs> and, you know, I remember um, there was a guy in my church that bought a radio station. And I went and asked him, like, how much does that cost, like, for all the equipment and stuff? <laughs> it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It was just crushing because I, I, I wanted to be on radio, but I knew there was no chance. And then I went to college and my college didn't have a college radio station. And my friends and I would record uh, on reel-to-reel tape. We would record shows. But there was no way for us to broadcast that to anybody. You know, right. we could play it for our, our parents. But that wasn't <laughs> super interesting. And to think, like, now with the $60 microphone and $19 a month, you can yeah. have your own talk radio station it is pretty amazing, yeah. And with Transistor, you can not only have your own, like you can have your own station in the sense that you can host multiple podcasts. You can be your own, you can be your own NPR or your own CBC. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, like I feel like we do owe something to our customers, but what we owe them is the service that we provide. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we owe them basically the support and the service and yeah, the ability to roll out new features and actually give them more value than what they have now. Exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, the the $100,000 worth of funding from, um, you know, currently I think we have 850 customers. What an incredible gift. And um, obviously not for everybody, but man, has it been nice for us to have that kind of investment. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Um, do you want to? I know that you've been super busy. Yeah, you're still working on the audio player. Yep. Yeah, that's. Uh, I did. I did update a, a lot more of that. Um, a few little things with that. Uh, I need to finish up before it's ready to go. Just kind of optimize a bunch of things. What do you think about the? Uh, this is gonna. Let's just have a little, uh, a little UX discussion here. So you asked me about right now in our player, the play button is on the thumbnail of the cover. And uh, in one mock-up you just shared with me, you've moved the play button so it's just above the title. 
so the reason you moved it is because the play button covers the cover art. One reason I don't like it moved, and it, you could be right, this might be better to move it, but I can re- I, I remember being a new podcast listener and going to podcast websites and not being able to figure out how to push play. <laughs> okay. And one thing I like about our player right now is that the play button is so large. It is large, yeah. And it just feels like, okay, I want to play this show. I could play here. I also like the fact that that superimposed triangle reminds me a little bit of a YouTube thumbnail where the, the triangle super over is over the... Uh, yeah. Yeah, we I, yeah, certainly don't have to keep it. I think I was playing around with some updates to the mobile version of that because I think it's probably something we don't see a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was getting a little bit... I was like playing around with like hiding the art entirely on the mobile view and it just because there's really not a lot of space there to, you know, show the title and do everything you need to do. So yeah, it was just at just to experiment a mock up. I can totally see your point that it is a it is a large area to click. It's like obviously visible. Mm-hmm. I just know that like there's so much good art artwork out there. Yeah. And this is I I'm not like uh like asking you to defend yourself right now i'm that I, I thought it would be interesting for people to hear some of this like yeah what are the the trade-offs uh because on one hand we have beautiful cover art which in some ways is different than a youtube thumbnail and youtube thumbnails have more real estate total you and we have had a few complaints from folks that say why like your player covers my art like why why does yeah. it do that and so, yeah, it's interesting to think about what are the ways we could solve that, but what are the potential trade-offs too? And and do you think if you changed it, would you want to change it for the main player as well? Yeah, it would be for both of them, yeah. It would be for both of them, yeah. Because that the top, basically the top part of the playlist player above the playlist is the same exact player. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you click a new, you know, you play a new uh, episode and it just switches everything out. By the way, when you're doing those mockups, are you doing those in Sketch or are you just editing the HTML? Uh, that was HTML, yeah. I actually don't have any of this stuff in Sketch. Yeah. I should, but I I keep meaning to learn Sketch. Yeah. And I don't know it that well, and we're already at version 56 or something. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I'm the same way. I actually, <laughs> I actually like prototyping in HTML better. That's why I like frameworks like Semantic UI and... Tailwind yeah. because I can just open up Dev Tools and just start playing around with it, um, and I feel like I have something real. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to like actually screenshot something and like cut and paste stuff in Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually something um, Ryan Singer used to do a lot uh, from from Basecamp and Thirty Seven Signals. Like we, when I was I was uh, running or helping run uh, Refresh Chicago Meetup Group yeah. in Chicago for a number of years, and we had Ryan Singer talk at one of our meetups, and he was like, sort of like redoing a feature, or doing some like on the fly UI redesign, and he would take a website and just like throw it into Photoshop and like cut pieces out and paste them in, and like it looked kind of like crap, but he like was just like designing things with these like big block image blocks of things, and it mm-hmm. worked. It get you know it's kind of like a little bit I don't know higher fidelity than just sketching on a piece of paper, but but for right now you're just editing the HTML, and so is yeah. that part of the process? Is you just like move things around? I mean that's what's great about the web is you yeah. you can move things around and see how it feels, see how it looks. I mean there's already been a, a couple of small things that 
I noticed when I did that is that, you know, you, you can click into these other panels that pop up like more info or, mm. or the panel to, to share the show. And it actually, now it covers the play button because mm. the play button was on the art and now it's won't be. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, I don't know if people care about that. Yeah. Like, will they need to pause it? If they're look, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say. Oh, and then you're asking those kind of questions too. Like what, yeah. What if they're. Now they had to close the panel to pause it as opposed to just pausing it. But like how often did, yeah. How often are people doing that? How much do you look at what already exists? Like, for example, if you go to SoundCloud, I've noticed that they, they impose the play button over the cover art. Uh, okay. A few of our competitors do it more this other way where you put the play button above. How much do you yeah. consider that? Like, is that something that you do as a part of your exploration or? Yeah, I, I think a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't think I was looking at anyone in particular, but those, I, you know, the more embeddable players I've seen, I think they do certainly influence me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily doing research into it, but. Yeah. But, um, so will you play with it first and then go and look at other players or like, is it, is it not, is it more ad hoc than that? I think it's a little more ad hoc. I, I probably look at players first, but not, I don't, I'm not like tabbing between, you know, browsers and looking at another one and just like redoing something. It's sort of like over time I'll see these things and they'll make an impression in my brain and I'll probably mm-hmm. be thinking about it for a while and be like, well, as long as I'm doing this playlist player, I might as well think about redoing a few other things. And yeah. And then I sort of play around with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's not really a very scientific method to it. Yeah. A lot of it is by feel, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm just like, what's great about this feature is that just having a multi-episode player, embeddable player in of itself, even if, you know, let's say we end up going with either of those options is better than not having the feature. Meaning, yes, I think usability matters, but whether the play button, you know, <laughs> is superimposed over the cover art or not, I would rather just have the feature. <laughs> so the broad stroke is like, this is important. And I think it's good to sweat the details. Yeah. But it's nice to know that regardless of what, you know, the way we do it, uh, customers overall will just appreciate the fact that we have it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, I think... To close, I, I've just got an update on our new marketing site. Um, I've been trying to build a new marketing site in Statomic, and, which is a PHP-based CMS. Um, and one of the things I wanted to test was what is the page speed score for Google? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure there's a way to test this locally, but I don't know what it is. And so I just deployed the site to... Uh, a secret kind of web server and um, to test it. And uh, it's just a digital ocean droplet. Um, one of the things I like about Statomic is that as soon as you push to master, it'll automatically deploy to your your public oh, nice. web server. Yeah. Uh, it took me like five minutes to do it. It was really awesome. Like from start to finish, five minutes to get this set up on DigitalOcean. And then I was able to go to Google Space page speed in insights and test. Now our current WordPress site 
scores a 26 on the homepage. Out of 100. Out of 100. That's like getting a 26% on your math quiz. That's a big failure. Yeah. Fail. And anything, they say anything below 90%, you're really leaving search rankings on the table. So I get these weekly reports from sanitycheck.io, which is run by my friend Nick. And it's always saying like your page, your page, your speed scores are like 26, 24. And I'm like, ah, this is so frustrating. And a lot of it has to do with just the cruft that a lot of WordPress plugins add. Yeah. What's surprising to me that... uh is how much cruft they add even if we have like a caching plugin on. So they're basically injecting like all sorts of JavaScript that has to load and like render things. And Yes. It's just really kind of surprising to me. Yeah. It, and it also, it's not localized. So it'll load that stuff on every page, whether you're using that thing or not. Uh, now, I know there's a lot of WordPress folks listening to this. And I know that there are ways to optimize WordPress. Uh, you know, like if I stripped, I even did a test where I stripped down our site to like no plugins and then the default WordPress theme. And yeah, you can score in the nineties. And if you have good website hosting, like you're paying at least $20, but likely $9,900. Um, so yeah, you can optimize WordPress, but the bigger problem for John and I is we didn't want to. (laughs) Right. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to even use those page builders <laughs> yeah yeah we didn't when the page builders is a big problem anyway like we just didn't want that we wanted more control we wanted to be able to write our own html we want to be able to have everything in source control and we just didn't want to have to work super hard on this system that we weren't super excited about so the new site scored a 92 and that's like with there's no cdn there's, that's just like a DigitalOcean droplet deploying and 26 versus 92. And that's mobile. So our desktop score was 99. And our current desktop score, I think, is 76 or something. So, yeah, uh, it's. I think for us, uh, John still has to play with it and see if he likes it. But I think for us, this is going to be a better workflow for us. Um, just having... Everything's stored. All your content is stored not in a database, but in just flat markdown files. And those are version controlled as well. So if something messes up, you've got all these flat files on your local machine that you can restore from. Like, uh, it just seems like a dream. Yeah. I guess I'm still, I haven't really looked into it much, but I guess I'm still curious as to why you need a server and it can't just be served off of like S3, a static, like, yeah. Statimic itself does not render static HTML files. It do, it's not like Markdown or I mean uh like uh what's the other one? The other the, the other static site generators. Yeah, so it's not it's a flat file CMS versus a static uh site generator. And we can go I partly I, I, I'm probably not prepared to like be able to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, sure. But um I have a pretty good post on it on my website on this about why I chose flat file versus static. The new version of Statomic apparently will allow you to deploy the static files to okay. wherever. You could even deploy them to GitHub pages if you want. Yeah. 
So I think that's coming in the new because you know things like Jekyll. That's not necessarily a static. That's still a that's a flat file. I mean, there's no CMS, I guess. Yeah. Like there's no CMS on top of it, but it is. You're just editing Markdown files, and you can you have templates and. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the advantage here is I I actually like writing in a CMS, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so. I like that part of it. I like actually having the the control panel and and being able to edit things visually. And so I'm I I'm hoping that this will be a nice mid uh, a nice meeting point in the middle where you'll be able to to uh, edit everything from a dev perspective, but I'll be able to still have uh, a environment that I like using, you know, for all the marketing yeah. stuff. Yeah, it, if nothing else, it's been nice to have the experience, the learning experience. Yeah, it's always it's always fun to hop into something new and try to wrap your head around something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, folks, uh, uh, yeah, if they're interested in that, they can go to the show notes. I'll, I'll have this uh, link to a blog post on my personal site where I talk about kind of why I even considered Statomic in the first place. Cool. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's thank our patreons, John. Yeah, thanks as always to our supporters on Patreon for making this show possible. Uh, we have a new, uh, a returning supporter, uh, Colin Gray. Yeah, from Alitu. That was nice to see him back. Yeah, yeah, Alitu dot com. Uh, Josh Smith, Ian Kirkovic, Brian Ray, Miguel Pedrafita, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett. Corey Haynes, Michael Sitber, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, uh, Dan Buddha, who's my brother. DanBuddha.com. Dan needs to start a podcast. Yeah, he should. The, the new rule is that if you have a podcast on Transistor, I've hyperlinked your name in the show notes. And so, ah. Dan, if you want a podcast, I mean, if you want your name hyperlinked, start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to talk to him about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Darby Frey. Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. 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 <laughs> Junta.fm should be a thing. It should. It's a whole radio station. Yeah, come on, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kyle Fox uh, at GetRewardful.com uh, and our sponsors this week, ProfitWell and Redash. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. If you can, please open up iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and we will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.